Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want you to know that I Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And you street. Hey y'all. Well, Gophers move to one and one on the season. Uh, you may have already heard Street and I talking about the Miami of Ohio victory uh, on the Great Takes Less Filling podcast. Give it a listen if you did not check it out over the weekend. Uh, so, but I'm going to turn you to Andy. Uh, turn to Andy here. Uh, what What are your final thoughts about Miami of Ohio uh, as a general game by the Gophers? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those two-headed monsters that it's 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 not unsurprising given the way Minnesota has handled the non-conference under PJ Fleck. Um, but it still is eternally frustrating to see them both basically just play incredibly conservative and struggle in aspects of the game where you should be excelling against the MAC team. Um, you know, the conservative part, I as much as fans don't like it, I understand it. It's frustrating. Um, but the fact that your D-line is getting blown away by a Mac offensive line and your secondary is getting torched by Mac wide receivers and a Mac quarterback, uh, that's not good because we can, we can see how P.J. Fleck can turn up the intensity and watch Minnesota play not conservatively. Um if your D-line's getting no rush and your D-backs are getting left on an island and losing against Mac-type talent, what's going to happen when Iowa, Wisconsin, hell, Purdue come to play this team? Um, so, yeah, they've, they've got some things to work out before uh, we get into the meat of the Big Ten season. And, frankly, for all of our sanity, it would be nice if they could uh, work a few things out before Colorado on Saturday because – uh, as we'll get into in a little bit here, after watching what the Buffs did to uh, Texas A&M, while not quite pulling off a win, uh, if the Gophers play like they did on Saturday and Colorado plays like they did on Saturday, Minnesota won't be in this game at all. And uh, most of the probably five, six, seven, eight thousand Gopher fans in Boulder this weekend will be figuring out where they're going to go or get their next drink or their next uh, dispensary hit, rather than watching the second half of the football game. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like something Colorado should do is offer gummies in stadium. They have uh, enough of a history as a team for causing frustration that mellowing out the fan base would be a nice moneymaker and a, just a good all-around uh, decision, I think, for everyone's health and sanity. Uh, something to look into, University of Colorado. Uh, gummies. Heck, you can even have Ralphie gummy, shape gummies, and all sorts of cool things. Honestly, Ralphie gummies would be a fabulous product that they would make a bunch of money on. Yeah, 
I say this as someone who is, is sort of an ardent teetotaler in many ways, but that would be that would be very smart on on Buffalo's uh, the Buffalo's perspective. When you come up with Ralphie gummies and sell them, the Daily Gopher would like a uh, a percent of that sweet sweet uh, dispensary money. University of Colorado. Well, hang hang on. Actually, actually, let's think about this a second. Do you think that we could name, image, and likeness a cannabis company for <laughs> giving players? I don't remember the details of the NLI uh, rules or whatever that well. I think, like, for example, I'm pretty positive alcohol was like, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Like, because that would be another... All I'm saying is if we can put Tanner Morgan on a t-shirt, we can put Tanner Morgan as a gummy. 100%. I mean, frankly, if there were restrictions, I could see them becoming uh, struck down by a court just because that'd be another restriction of trade, which was kind of the whole situation that set up NLI in the first place. But Kentucky Hayes, <laughs> if, we've got a, if we've got a cannabis company... Who's listening to the listening to the blog? Reach out. We'll see see if we can see if we can work something. Before you know, in the summer, we we brought you Home Field Apparel. The Daily Gopher is soon to hopefully be uh, be sponsored by Squarespace, obviously, and whatever the cannabis dispensary company for college football is going to be. I love this idea. Um, well, Andy, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and I don't think I disagree. I think you've pretty much hit upon the same sort of uh, thread that, that Street and I kind of covered um, after the game. I'm just, I am at a loss. It's too early to know for sure if this is another situation. Because it's not like the defense, well, help, you guys help me remember. In 2019, did the defense look that great? Obviously, the... Um, Bro, they almost lost to multiple garbage. No, no, no. But the South Dakota garbage team. They looked the South, heinous. The South Dakota, the South Dakota State game. They barely gave up any points as a defense. That was like fumble return for a touchdown, kick return for a touchdown, crap like that. But it, admittedly, uh, Georgia Southern was the same way. It was it was Tanner Morgan's two fumbles and and whatever. So no, I mean, admittedly, the defense didn't quite look that bad. I mean, you had that one guy named Antoine Winfield Jr. who cleaned up a whole bunch of messes which makes a big difference um but no i mean it i it's one of those things that it's like you know how everybody was saying this vaunted defensive line is is much improved or whatever and everybody you know i i admittedly i didn't get a chance to see much of the first half when we were up 21 to 3 so i can't really talk about what the defense was doing but it's it's fairly obvious that Miami Ohio made some really good halftime adjustments, and PJ Fleck and Mike Sanford and Joe Rossi did not, because um, they got completely outcoached in in the third and fourth quarters. The third quarter, I would argue, was one of the ugliest quarters of football as a whole I've seen this team play in the PJ Fleck era. I mean, they just, they didn't look like they could compete out there in the third quarter, which is kind of bad when you're saying that a Mac team is literally beating you in all facets of the game. Uh, that that should not be the case in, in year five of a Big Ten program. So, um, no, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of causes for concern. 
if anybody wants to go look back in the archives, I guarantee you we were saying the exact same thing after the South Dakota State and after the Georgia Southern games. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't one of us who, after Georgia Southern, saw the Gophers were going to go on the run they did through the through the Big Ten and and be, you know, a, a Tyler Johnson drop away from potentially going to the Rose Bowl. Um, We'll have to see how it plays out. I wish I could say that, you know, things are going to be significantly better and I trust that they'll get figured out. I just don't know with this team anymore. I mean, I, I see a situation where they go into Boulder this week and they win by two touchdowns. I see a situation where they lose by three touchdowns. I don't know which team to expect, which is going to step on the field. And as a fan, that's really frustrating. Yeah, it it really, I mean, admittedly, it really is. There's there's no way around it. I think what's interesting for me is to think about the idea of that, you know, the hopes that that folks had for the defensive line. And it's worth, I don't think we got too over our, our uh, you know, too out in front of ourselves with it. But it's important to remember, you know, that when we're talking about expected improvement, it's kind of that same potential fallacy that we tell ourselves every year uh, in the offseason. Kind of transitioning to the next topic, something I found, you know, which is, sorry, the next topic is what made us laugh this week. One thing that kind of took my breath away, less laughter and more in, in just being incredulous, was reading something on our uh, fellow SB Nation blog, The Champagne Room, talking about Illinois fans being feeling much more confident about this year than they probably should have been because they brought back almost the entire team to be under Brett Bielema. And I'm just... I I don't I don't know where expecting a team that was crap bringing everybody back is suddenly supposed to make you better under a, a brand new coaching staff and I think it's that same fallacy guys will have time to improve um, albeit I would say wishing for that during a coaching transition is asking for a bit more than what we might have been asking for with hope hopes that the D line was improved. Uh, the other thing that made me laugh this week was uh, after Oregon State lost to, sorry, after Ohio State lost to Oregon, uh, it, somebody found a photo. there. Somebody placed a little rubber ducky right dead center on the blocko of midfield as a little parting gift, and I thought that was a, a, real, a real nice, nice, uh, nice troll job. Certainly better than planting a flag at midfield. Uh, Street, I'm I'm interested in what made you laugh in this past week of college football. You know, I'm an amiable guy. Lots of things make me laugh. Pretty easy. Uh, I would say, just in terms of sheer ineptitude, the end of the Notre Dame-Toledo game probably made me laugh. The, oh, my God. Laugh the hardest. I, to be clear, was, as I always am, and as all correct-thinking people are, was rooting against Notre Dame. So I was I was all all in on on Toledo, but the amount of self-inflicted wounds and so bad. It's kind of it's kind of the the great thing about when a team and I suspect that that Andy may may discuss the opposite of this in relation to Florida State. But the great thing about watching a team that you know should have beat its opponent by forty and like barely wins. And he's like incredibly excited at the end of the game, but also at the same point, like deeply, deeply, this was awful. That feeling is always amusing, and that was very much Notre Dame at the end. It's sort of like, I don't know, you wanted to have a party for 10 people, 50 people sh- showed up, 
they broke most of the things in your house, but like at the very end of the day, someone gave you a new television. Did you have a good night? Probably not. It was really bad. Like, I'm not going to sit here and rag on Toledo for losing, like that they weren't supposed to win. But I have, it's been a while since I've seen a team just absolutely cock up a upset chance like that. It was a minute and a half left. They're up by four. They give up a touchdown in 26 seconds after committing three penalties on that four-play Notre Dame offensive drive and then proceed to have, like, three more penalties on offense trying to get down the field before throwing a really bad interception. It was really – it was bad. Bad, 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 bad. Uh, Andy, uh, as as Street alluded to, I think you were uh, amused by uh, the Florida State loss to Jackson Jacksonville State. Yeah, a reminder that it could always be worse is, I mean, when you, when you're losing to teams like Jacksonville State at home on a on a last ditch hail mary that, I think, I mean, if, for anybody who hasn't seen the replay, just look it up. It was it was so bad. Like, first of all, how do you not knock down the pass? Second of all. How does one of the two Florida State guys there not tackle him? I mean, like, I've seen eight-year-olds tackle better than these Florida State DBs did. Um, and then it just it just keeps getting better and better. You know, we obviously you saw the video, and, and, and it's hilarious. The, the meme of the Florida State cheerleaders looking like they can't believe what just happened was great. Then you get the audio broadcast come out of the Florida State radio team, and uh, Joey Galloway was the Florida State uh, color guy is just like, I can't believe that happened. You can literally hear him chuck his headset down and storm out of the booth uh, at the end of the call. And then today it comes out, there's another uh, picture from the back end of one of the Florida State offensive linemen actually proposed to his girlfriend after that game, while you can still see Jacksonville State celebrating in the background of the photo. And apparently he was a barstool athlete and barstool is ripping him mercilessly for doing this. And he basically tweeted at them and said, all right, you guys want to invite to the wedding or not? Uh, this is your reminder that barstool is a conglomeration of garbage people. Uh, <laughs> just, just so we're putting that out there. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it's just, it, it, this game apparently is the gift that just keeps on giving and it's, it's, uh, it's pretty entertaining on all sides just to keep seeing layers of the onion peeled off. And, and either way, it, it's not a good look for, for Mike Norvell and Florida state. And obviously Florida state's rebuilding and they're, they're trying to come back and things like that. And they almost beat Notre Dame last week. Um, but if that's your, we put it all out on the field and couldn't quite pull off the win against Florida against Notre Dame. And instead we're going to blow off the next week and lose to Jacksonville state at home. Uh Mike Dorfell, you might have you might have wanted to stay at Memphis there, buddy. Yeah, I think the the details for me that made it even a little worse was I, I don't even know that it would qualify as a as a traditional Hail Mary because they ran a four vert and the guys were still I think the pass he caught it in stride, so it wasn't even a traditional like jump ball situation. Uh and after the it was, game, it wasn't, it wasn't even really in stride. He actually had to slow down to catch it. That's true. He, he jumped and he caught it at like the 15 and just sort of caught it. And then just like somehow cut, just a single cutback, single cut. And it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a ridiculously athletic move. Like the Florida state guys just sort of let him run right by him. It was terrible. 
Well, and, and then Norvell, after the game, gets asked about it, and he goes, well, there were six seconds left, so we didn't feel putting on a full prevent to tackle before the goal line was something. They had a timeout, and everyone's like, they had 66 yards to go. What were with six seconds and a timeout, what what did you expect them to do? Like, they can't get into field goal range with that timeout. <laughs> they had only one option, and that was to get a touchdown. It's not a I, – I found it I found it humorous as well. It was It was bad. All right, well, we're going to get back to football here in a minute, but before we do that, uh, we've got a volleyball sweep to talk about. Gophers go out to the Pac-12, Big Ten. Um, was it, was, that a, was, it, was it called the Pac-12 Big Ten Invitational, or was it just a, a, a conglomeration of, of those teams facing off? It doesn't matter. They had to play Stanford and Oregon at Oregon, uh, and both Stanford and Oregon ranked. Um, and, and Minnesota comes away with the sweep. Andy, the feeling I have, you know, having gotten to watch a little bit of those matches, um, it, it honestly feels like Minnesota is definitely one of the better teams in the country, but certainly kind of on that outside edge of that top 10, you know, feeling like they're a, a number, you know, getting into the early double digit rankings seems pretty appropriate for them right now they cannot seem to knock off the top teams in the country although they can play with them for a while uh, but they can definitely beat the teams you know who are still very good but not at that top upper echelon is that what you your feeling is coming out of this weekend well I think and, and the other thing is they're just they still haven't quite figured out how to be consistent you know they they went out west and, and took out number 14 Stanford and number 11 Oregon on their home floor on Saturday, yeah, a three-one victory over Stanford, a three-two victory over Oregon, um, and but they they you know they got some decent play. You know, uh, Stephanie Samity again had a ridiculous weekend, uh, twenty kills, three blocks against Stanford, and then came back with another twenty kills against Oregon. Uh, she was named the Big Ten Player of the, of the Week today for that. Um, you know, it, it's if they can get the play, they need to play. The one thing that was positive for Minnesota is they have been missing Taylor Lanfair. She uh, she left in the uh, Texas game and, and wasn't there for the loss to Florida and did not play in either of these matches either. So you're arguably your second best offensive player uh, hasn't been available, and they went and beat two ranked opponents, one on a neutral floor and one on the road. So uh, I think they're getting some things figured out. Um, one thing Minnesota will have to watch, uh, their setter, uh, Melanie Shaftmaster left halfway through the Oregon game, um, didn't return. It sounds like she might've gotten her hand stepped on at one point, uh, which if you're a setter, that's probably not, uh, not great. Um, so hopefully it's just a, a bruise and, and they can get her back on the court. Uh, the good news is, is Minnesota comes home for their last non-conference weekend of the year and, and they get, um, arguably a couple of cupcakes. Uh, they they will play, as far as I know, the first official sanctioned game uh, against St. Thomas of any Gopher uh, athletic team Thursday night when they host St. Thomas in the Diet Coke Classic at the PAV. Um, and that will be on uh, Fox 9 Plus locally, so you can, you can watch that uh, on local over-the-air TV if you're in the Twin Cities. And then uh, Saturday night they host Iowa State, for their final non-conference game before starting the uh, Big Ten gauntlet the final weekend. So uh, it was nice to get a couple big rank wins. Uh, like I said, moved back up their 11th in this week's coaches poll, so they're floating. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see the Big Ten. I saw Wisconsin still holding at number two. Ohio State has moved up to number three, which is 
interesting because I looked at their schedule. They have played nobody. Ohio State has only played six non-conference matches, and like literally the toughest team they've played is like, uh, I mean, it was like Duke or something like that. It was, it was nobody. So uh, I think they're they're way overrated at this current moment in time. Um, Wisconsin's going to be tough. Nebraska's going to be tough. Nebraska lost to Utah at home over last weekend. So um, you know, it, the the Big Ten is is. I think Wisconsin arguably is the best team, but the the second or third spot in the Big Ten is there for the taking if the Gophers can get their consistency issues figured out and uh, and pick things up where they need to be. Soccer has yet to give up a goal. Is that correct? They're still correct after beating uh, North Dakota. Yep they they tied against Omaha and then they beat North Dakota on Saturday to finish off the non conference season. They are four zero and three. Uh, this is only the second time I think they've finished a uh, non-conference record unbeaten. Uh, the last time that happened, 2008, is when the team finished 22-4 and and ended up to the uh, making the uh, Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament, arguably the best season the Gopher women's soccer team has had in recent history. So um, the Gophers are currently just one of three teams in the country, along with Wake Forest and Tennessee, that haven't allowed a goal this year so far. Um, you know, uh, their goalkeeper... Uh, Megan Plashko has six official shutouts. She technically has a half shutout. She played 60 minutes of, of one of the games. There was another shutout. Um, but she is just one of, of two goalies that have played more than five matches this season where she have shutouts along with the Wake Forest goalie. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's a it's a great start. Uh, you know, when you're a new head coach of a program like Aaron Chastain is and you've played seven matches and, and haven't lost, uh, I think you'll take that every single step of the time. And so um, <clears throat> the schedule now obviously gets a lot harder as we hit uh, Big Ten play. Uh, they open up Big Ten next Saturday at home, 6 p.m. with Wisconsin. So uh, hopefully the Gopher can get a uh, get the Badgers and, and take advantage and get off to a good start in the Big Ten. Uh, I did see that that game is Rock the Robbie. They're trying to uh, get as many people in there as they can, selling tickets for a dollar a piece. So if you're not going to Boulder, if you're uh, you're in town, uh, I know they'd love to have you go over to St. Paul and and buy a ticket for a buck and go see if the uh, the Gopher soccer team can stay undefeated against the Badgers. Well, uh, speaking of Colorado, I think it's a good time to transition to kind of previewing them a little bit. Uh, Blake, obviously not here with us this week. His full preview will hit the blog uh, later this week. But I think for me, the initial thoughts that I had from the, you know, I didn't watch the entire Colorado-Texas A&M game, but it did feel as though uh, Colorado Colorado's defense played well. Um, they certainly seemed to hold a, a very highly ranked Texas A&M team in check and it, it honestly the thing that kind of stuck out to me is it felt like they had a lot of speed street from what you may have seen from that game or anything else that you have uh to to base your thoughts on what uh, concerns you the most about uh, the gophers against colorado well the foreshadow my prediction bet of the week is take the under minnesota 30 points their their defense is i think really good 
and has a lot of speed. They were good last year. They have a lot of players who have talent, or so Blake's preview will will suggest on the blog when it comes up. So I think that one thing is concerning. Uh, the second thing, of course, that is concerning is there appears to be a complete lack of Ralphie gummies and or other things. <laughs> To, to calm us all, to calm us all down. Uh, yeah, if you it. yeah. Now, I, I think, I think practically the, the main thing that has been concerning to the extent that you can get anything out of the first two weeks is that Minnesota's offense has been inconsistent, and against a defense that executes well, that is in the right positions, that appears to be quick, so has speed. That that could bode very poorly. Now, it's somewhat hard to say in the same way that I don't think you should overreact to week one. I don't think you should overreact to week two either. But that, I think, would be the first thing that's concerning to me. The second thing that's concerning to me is that Minnesota's defense is still trying to improve, getting a lack of pressure on anyone, you know, a lack of pressure against Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio can put up a lot of points. Colorado is much better than Miami of Ohio. So I think similarly, the offensive line of Colorado versus the defensive line of Minnesota is going to be the matchup that I think I am most concerned about in the sense that we know Colorado's got a good defense, but I just trust intuitively that the offense of Minnesota can put up points against basically everyone. And whether they put up enough points is an open question. I am substantially less trustworthy that this defense can hold an opponent to under a certain amount of points every game. And so in particular, I'm concerned about that because I've yet to see Minnesota consistently get pressure with just the front four. If that occurs against Colorado, I think Minnesota has a very good chance of taking the win on the road. Andy, when you look at Minnesota's defense versus Colorado's offense, what what uh, is your major concern? Yeah, I mean it's one hundred percent going to be the pass rush. I mean Colorado has a has an arguably a, a redshirt freshman in in Brendan Lewis as their quarterback, who's honestly not very comfortable in the pocket. He'd much rather would break down and try and run and use his legs to get a first down. I mean against Texas A and M, he was thirteen to twenty five for only eighty five eighty nine yards and an interception. He's not a good throwing quarterback. So if the Gophers can shut down the run, Colorado does have a good run offense. They have uh, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year who got banged up in that A&M game, but it sounds like it should, he could be back for the Gopher game. Um, they, need, they need to basically stop the run and stop the quarterback run first and foremost. If you're going to make Colorado score points on you, make their quarterback beat you. Now, if the Gophers can't get a pass rush, that becomes infinitely easier than if they can create havoc and actually get in the backfield and start breaking down some things. So yeah, I do think Minnesota finally trying to get a pass rush is going to be a big key in this game to see if they can slow down the Colorado offense. Vice versa, uh, Colorado's defense is good, and so Minnesota is going to have to both uh, be able to run the run the ball. Hopefully Trey Potts continues to have success. But I think the big key is going to be, do the Gophers get Chris Ottman Bell back? And it sounds like maybe, hopefully, he will be this week. Um, and you're going to need a healthy Dylan Wright, too, who's going to have to do a little bit better and not, not dropping the ball when, when Tanner Morgan finds him. This is a game where you're not going to have much margin for error. I mean, it, it sounds weird to say it, but it, it's going to be hot. It's going to be sunny. You're at altitude. I would compare this one almost to the, the Fresno State game in 2019, where, I mean, you're going into a tough environment. Um, and you're going to need to not make mistakes. And the bad news is you don't have Antoine Winfield Jr. back there to save you if you're going to make mistakes. 
Um, so I do think if, if Minnesota can execute and they can get a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, I do think they can come away with a win in this game. But if they can't, and we haven't seen anything to, to show that they can through the first two weeks, um, you're going to need basically Trey Potts and Tanner Morgan to be damn near perfect if you want to see the Gophers get a win on Saturday. And, I mean, as much as we'd love to see that, that you're asking a lot of those guys to be damn near perfect. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I have a feeling it's going to be a, a, a relatively tight game, but it's going to be a tough one for Minnesota to pull out. This Colorado team, I think we, we were underselling them a bit uh, coming into the season. And, and you know, as, as Street said, one game does not mean anything. You know, they, they look good against A&M. Granted, it was against a backup quarterback for, for most of the game. Uh, so Tanner Morgan will be most likely a better a better quarterback than Colorado's seen so far this season. But we're going to have to get separation with whether it be Ottman, Bell, and Wright, because obviously we haven't seen much from that from the Gopher receivers. And Colorado's got a starting front seven where I think they return everybody. I th- I want to say they return something like nine or ten starters. So it's not going to be it's not going to be a green defense. This is a true strong defense, and Minnesota's going to have to make some plays if they want to pull out a win in Boulder. What I also hear you saying with regards to the Minnesota defense and the Colorado offense is if I'm hearing the words run fit a lot uh, on Twitter or in our Slack chat during the game, uh, that's probably not boding well for us, uh, given that there have been definite moments where the run defense for the Gophers has been, uh, let us say, misaligned. No, I mean, I think, and, and, and you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what Joe Rossi does. But yeah, uh, if you can't stop the run this game, it, it's you're in trouble automatically. I mean, Colorado's best offense is their two-headed backfield. I mean, they want to run, the quarterback wants to run. You need to stop the run. And whether it's run fit or whether it's gap control, Rossi's got to figure out how to do that. Because if they can't stop the run, then things things aren't going to be pretty for long. So stop the run. Make the young quarterback who doesn't have a good arm beat you. If he beats you, you know, congratulations. Good job. You outplayed him. But don't drop this game because you were horrible at tackling and let the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, who you know is going to be trying to run it down your throat, run it down your throat. Well, I think the one thing that's a guarantee is that anybody who's going to this game uh, this is certainly a, a real quality road trip. You you have, uh, you know, the game, of course, is in Boulder, uh, which is a, a pretty great town in its own right, but you're only a, a good 45 minutes or so uh, north-northwest of Denver, which is a fantastic city. Well, basically, this is a road trip that can come with a lot of great food, a lot of great beverages, a lot of great additional substances if you are so inclined to partake in those, but also a lot of great scenery, very beautiful part of the country. Um, you know, it's still going to be pretty warm when we're out there, uh, but you know, just a wonderful time. Uh, and certainly a, a part of the country that stays nice and sunny. I have to say this, I, I feel like I might be forgetting a game, but this is the best or at least highest profile non-conference road game since what TCU? Uh, are you talking road game? Well, yeah, yeah, not not home game. I'm talking about a road trip that was of to a worthwhile place. Did they end up going to USC? I was gonna, I was going to say I was going to say USC was the one that was coming to mind as the it was the most. 
Well, the most U- fun. USC was 2011, so TCU, if you enjoyed, I don't know, the Dallas Metroplex, that would be put you at 2014. Yeah, I think USC, unquestionably, and I think, depending on how the magic of conference realignment is going to look like in a couple of years, there may be a lot more opportunity for these games. But frankly, going anywhere to the West Coast in September, October is pretty great. I I am waiting and for when Minnesota takes the road trip to Washington because uh, that I that really want that so badly. As, as Chris as, as Chris has mentioned before, that is sort of his bucket list game. Of course, Chris being a water demon would make it so it would be pouring rain at that point. But I think uh, going to going to Boulder would be fantastic. They went to Colorado State, which was not a particularly high profile game. Thank you, but that would have been worth it for the location alone. Yeah, but I, I think that I think that would be fun to go for of course we unfortunately being still in a pandemic can't have quite the same level of fun yet another reason uh, to to move and take steps towards this because there are plenty of wonderful places to go to frankly as as strange as it would be particularly if you're a very outdoorsy person a non-conference game against wyoming could actually be kind of a blast um, if if you were going there but i think boulder certainly usc would be my pick for the biggest both against an opponent and also a place where you would enjoy going to for those who enjoy driving in Los Angeles. Well, and the, and the good news is, is, I mean, granted, we'll see what happens with realignment and how that tweaks schedules and, and things like that. All everybody has said that they're not going to try and break any contracts. But, I mean, this is the start of, a, a you know, a couple every other year. Basically, Minnesota has a fairly decent the year. They have five Big Ten home games. Uh, they're going on a decent road trip. In 2023, it's down to Chapel Hill for North Carolina. In 2025, it's out to Provo to play BYU. Um, Mississippi State is technically still on the schedule for I think 2027, which okay, let's be Starksville is is not quite as as nice as as Chapel Hill or Provo, um, but I think you're seeing you know right now into this current scheduling is and we'll see what happens again once if if things go down and the Big Ten does drop down to these eight conference games, the ability to add these road trips against potential Pac-12 ACC teams is is definitely alive, but. Um, you know the, the the good news is I think the uh, the Power Five scheduling is is here to stay. So you're going to see more of these more of these Power Five nice scenic road trips uh, coming up here. It, you know probably every other year for the foreseeable future. I'd argue Mississippi State in 27 is a great opportunity for anybody to try to take uh, a whole week off, take the two weekends with a week in between and get yourself into kind of an SEC road trip situation. Um, you know, depending on what time the game is uh, in Starkville, there's always the opportunity to potentially, if you really pushed your day, to squeeze in a Ole Miss Mississippi State doubleheader. Uh, but more likely, I think the way to do that is you, you set yourself up with some time in New Orleans, uh, and an LSU game either the weekend before or the weekend after would be a great way to do it, um, and then just take some time to explore the you know the south that area of the south in between. Um, that's certainly at least my my 2027 plan as we look six years in advance, which of course is something I I like to do. Um, all right, well. It's almost time. It's almost time for this game. It's certainly a lot closer to time to fly out to Colorado. It's coming upon us quickly, at least for me. Uh, but I, it's also time for predictions. Um, 
I am looking at this game, you know, I didn't talk much in the preview section, but I'm feeling much the same as, as what uh, Andy and Street have said in terms of this feeling like a tight game. Certainly it could be a, a two-touchdown win either direction quite easily, I think, uh, but the feeling to me is, is a tight game. I am going to go with uh, 24-21 Minnesota. Um, a part of me almost wants to predict a Colorado win. I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm overreacting to the Miami game. I do feel like it, it made me a little more hesitant than I would have been otherwise. Uh, but I'm also going to be at this game, so I'm not going to predict a loss because uh, I would like to be present for a victory. Um, Andy, what are your what's what's your kind of score prediction for for Saturday? Yeah, see, I I'd, I'd like to predict a win, but I, you know, I I just don't feel great now. Hopefully, this is a a, a total flop, and and we can rip on me next week and for being a pessimistic whatever. Um, but I don't like the way our defense is playing, and I do think Colorado's defense is going to at least slow down the Gopher offense. Um, so, you know, I was, I was talking about it being a little more low scoring. I don't, maybe it won't be as, as low scoring as you think. I think the Minnesota defense might struggle and Minnesota will still get theirs. Uh, I'm going to go, I think Colorado wins this one 31. I'll go 31, 23, uh, street. Obviously we're not asking you to predict the games, but, uh, just to recap, what is your, betting prediction uh, off of one of the factors for this or lines for this game as i mentioned earlier on in the podcast mine is a bet for this week is the total points just scored by minnesota it seems like the overall line is over under 50 colorado currently and what we were looking recording this on tuesday at about 8 30 was about a negative one to minus one to minus two favorite so that would give minnesota a point of about 25 i'm going to say take the under on that well if you are going out to boulder safe travels to you no matter where you are this weekend uh, we hope you have a wonderful time celebrating a gopher win in the meantime go gophers sky you ma row the boat Oh.